Welcome to Make Money Count, the podcast by Connect Home Financing. Be sure to visit makemoneycount.com to find all of our old episodes. Be sure to rate, comment, and review on all of your favorite podcast platforms. If you want to send us a question, please send us a question to hello at connect.ca. That's connect with an A. If you're not already a subscriber, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Thank you once again for listening to Make Money Count. And now your hosts, Marcus Averis and Justin Turner. Hey guys, welcome to Make Money Count. Today we're going to be talking about the usual market, housing, and perhaps depending on what makes it in, veal cutlets. We'll see you soon. Be sure to visit makemoneycount.com to find all of our old episodes. Hey guys, how's it going? Hope everyone has having a great week. Depending on when you're watching this, weekend, weekday, you know, whatever the case may be is. What a good intro that was. (laughs) It's Sunday today. I'm just happy that you guys came in. Yeah. Yeah, Matt, yeah, you're yeah. the best. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. No, it was, uh, I'm glad to get it done. It means that we'll have a new episode out on CHCH this weekend and for the new listeners this week. Nice. You know what worries me, though, Matt? What's that? No green t-shirt. Yes. I know. You want me to be a talking head. Yeah. Can you just show yourself on the camera for a yes. second? Yeah. Like, if you had a green t-shirt right now, it would just be this floating head. A green should... t-shirt, green mic also. Okay. I'll work on it. Yeah, I'm going to order a green t-shirt by the end of the show so that it's ready. Yeah, good for next episode. Yeah. Today, we're going to talk about a few things. I'm going to get us started with a topic that I'm very interested in and uh, kind of enrages me in my soul a little bit. So, so, so this is there's, like, what is the topic? The increase in the price of French fries? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the fact that there are people all over Canada right now that are going to their banks, that are scared about the market, that are taking a fixed rate, even though the bond yields are dropping. Right. So, so, so basically everybody who's taking a fixed rate right now, right now from their bank is lining the pockets of the bank. And I want to know your opinion on why you think that is. Why are people lining the pockets of the bank? <laughs> yeah, well, or why, are, why is the bank profiteering? Profiteering, yes. Okay, so I mean, like, first things first, let's all understand the banks are not designed to help their borrowers or, frankly, the people that are providing them with capital for deposits. Right. Okay? The bank's priority is to their shareholders. So it is to their profitability. It's just... The way the public markets are designed. So if the bank has an opportunity to increase their profits by increasing the spread that they can earn, they call it net interest margins, Mm -hmm. right? The difference between their cost of capital and the price that they can lend it out for. The moment the bank has an opportunity to increase that spread, they're going to do it. They don't want to do it sacrificing market share in most cases, in most kind of economic environments. And that's why you see a level of collusion between the Canadian banks. Right. Right. Like there is, 
there is nothing that illustrates this more than the, the consumer just has to go and look at what the five-year fixed rate is at all of the different banks in Canada. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. exactly the same. <clears throat> right. You know what else is the same? What? The four-year. Yeah. And the five and the six-year. And the three-year. And the two-year. And the seven-year. So how is it that every single rate from every single bank is always the same as the other banks? Yeah. That's collusion, right? Mm-hmm. Same reason why every gas station has the same price for gas. It benefits them. Mm-hmm. They don't, they're not, I mean, every once in a while you'll see a spike or a, dro- a drop in, um, in a rate from one bank, a special, because they're trying to conquer a little more market share. But for the most part, they are working together to create a stable marketplace. They don't really want to increase or decrease their market share too much. It doesn't look good even right now. To go to your shareholders, if you're a bank, and say, like, we increased our residential mortgage portfolio by 7% because we dropped our interest rates. Mm-hmm. The investor may take that as the bank being too cavalier with their deposit holders' money, maybe subjecting them to a loan loss. Right. Anyways, this is like a bit of a roundabout answer. But to answer your question, and I'll answer both of them. Okay. So the first question being, why are the banks profiteering? They are responsible to their shareholders. Mm-hmm. We are in an interest rate increasing environment right now. When interest rates are increasing, it is very easy for the banks to increase their mortgage rates. People are seeing it in the news. They're hearing about it. It makes sense. My mortgage rate went up. Makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, rates are up. Mortgage rates are up. And what what the consumer should always be aware of, I mean, listen, it's just, we say like what people should be aware of, but like how many people are going to monitor bond yields, right? Yeah, yeah. Bond yields are dipping. So if a five-year bond yield is dropping and a five-year fixed rate mortgage is increasing, there is nothing else in that spread other than profit taking. Mm-hmm. And there's clever ways to frame that, right? A lot of the banks will say, well, we're not really profit taking. We're just affording ourselves a little more margin for instability in the future. So, you know, loan loss provisions or like, you know, the market's a little risky. So we're insulating ourselves from what might happen in the future. Mm -hmm. Make no mistake, that's still profit taking. Right. There are still loan loss provisions on the financial statements of that bank Mm -hmm. that account for losses. And they do that on a quarterly basis. So it's just, it's profit taking. Right. Uh, And it's to please their shareholders. And the bank stocks are doing well in the face of that. Mm -hmm. The shareholders, albeit are timid because they do view a recession coming up and we can talk about how the bond market's showing that you come with questions i come with like little things that i want to talk about for the show right (laughs) so there's like three things that if i can slide them in somewhere like um anyways to answer your other question why do people do it so we know why the banks do it Mm -hmm. why do people do it it's comfort man Mm -hmm. it's your bank Mm-hmm. And yeah. as much as we try, like uh, this is now we've been doing this for, tw- I've been doing this for 22 years. Mm-hmm. As much as we try to convince the consumer that it is not in their best interest to deal directly with their bank on, on anything, let alone on everything, because most Canadians feel like they're going to insult their banker if they don't send their banker everything. Well, if I don't give my banker the first shot at my line of credit, then he's going to be upset with me or she's going to be upset with me so they won't give me a good rate on my mortgage. Mm-hmm. And if I don't give them all of my savings account, then I might have to pay more on my RRSP. First of all, 
you're not allowed to cross sell in Canada. Mm-hmm. Like, it is against FISRA's rules. No tied selling. Mm-hmm. And second, the Bank of Canada issued a report. We spoke, we used to talk about this a lot more. Yeah. Bank of Canada issued a report that said, if you want access to all of the stimulus that's being provided in the marketplace by the Bank of Canada, don't just deal with one bank. Mm-hmm. So as much as we, you know, we try to get the word out that the consumer should ask questions of more than one bank, should engage a broker. Listen, it doesn't have to be Connect. We're just a broker mm-hmm. to help you. That's the only way we're going to help consumers, number one, get more of the fiscal stimulus that's being injected. Now it's not being injected. It's being pulled back. Yeah. But to get them a, a purer rate, mm-hmm. right? To not, to not see the type of profiteering it's just naturally going to happen in an environment, right? Any environment that's, you know, capitalist, Mm -hmm. like, you know, these aren't mandated rates, right? Right. It's market. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's an interesting fact to just point out that like when we discuss this issue, we're talking about banks, right? We're not talking about your monoline lenders, like first national MCAP, RFA, like all these guys that you can only get access to through a broker. Right. So, so just kind of harping on what Marcus said about, you know. Yeah, listen, monoline lenders are still in the business of making a profit. For sure, yes. But they have to make a profit by engineering their cost of doing business down. Right. So, hey, so, so guys, just to slow it down for a second, the average viewer might not know what an, a monoline lender, what we mean by that. Like, we're, we're talking about lenders that only lend on one thing, and, and that means a mortgage. So you can't walk in and open up a checkings account or a savings account. Their only access is through a broker, right? Like, right. that's what we're explaining to these. That's a very industry term that I don't think a lot of people realize that even, there's these lenders that even exist in the market. I can't hear Matt because he's not wearing a green t-shirt <laughs> yeah that, that's a good point they do one thing they do it very well mm-hmm. they were clobbered when the government of canada instituted a rule whereby cmhc was no longer able to provide portfolio insurance i don't know if you remember that it's a while ago now is when morneau was the finance minister the kind of first act of business first order of business as soon as he got in there was they said CMHC, which is a government entity, Crown Corporation, can no longer offer insurance to monoline lenders or any lender for that matter on mortgages where the value of the property is over $1 million or where the consumer has more than 20% equity. And what that did is it, it did two things. Okay? It really hurt the monoline lenders, mm-hmm. but it very clearly showed how the monoline lender was keeping the marketplace in check. Right. Because now the interest rates on mortgages where monoline lenders are competing, read CMHC insured mortgages, you know, Sagan or Genworth, whatever they're calling yeah, themselves yeah. now, Canada Guarantee Sagan, insured mortgages. Sagan, tomato, tomato. Who knows? But all of those insured mortgages have lower interest rates than the mortgages where the monolines don't compete anymore. Right. And then the monolines had to get wholesale line of credit from banks in order to compete in that market. So the banks were just able to spike their profit margins. Right. Again, profiteering, using the government, lobbying the government properly, getting the government to enact something. I mean, it's not something that we're going to stop seeing. Right. Right. But yeah, monoline lenders are very helpful for the market 
they it's a free market, right? And a monoline lender, if it, if they're able to operate in the market, a monoline lender can do a lot of good. Right. Unfortunately, the government of Canada likes playing around with the rules. Right. Right, right, right. right. To the detriment of the Canadian consumer. Right. Yes. The only yeah. person that hurt was the Canadian consumer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. have got nice little sleepy returns like a, a yield of four percent so connect has about doubled that and so if i've got the trust which i do uh, in marcus and, and connect uh, then it's just it's a better return and probably more stable when you take a look at the loan to value uh ratio it's better than the banks so it's it's excellent it's an excellent return and it's very very safe i think it was february of this year we put some more in and uh so uh, yes not only have i put money in i put more money in because i'm happy with uh, how the investment has worked out we have uh, seen particularly in in markets where the markets have gone down, we've seen that our Connect return has not only stayed where I expected it to be, but it's actually gone up a little bit. So I'm super happy with the investment and have invested more. Okay. So we get a lot of responses to our Instagram videos. A lot. You mean like three or four. <laughs> to our Instagram stories. Um but but you know we encourage you to to you know comment any questions that you might want to have answered you know about the market or you know where Marcus gets his shirts cleaned like it doesn't matter just post it and we'll ask it on the show. He does his cleans his own shirts. I'll ruin that one. Yeah, I don't take him to a dry cleaner. Rip off, which I stopped doing. Rip off. We and love, they just break we your love buttons. you, Wayne. But. Other than Wayne. Wayne, the dry cleaner yeah, next is, to the uh, yeah. King Street office is the yeah. best, but they just break your buttons. King West Cleaners. Yeah. Like, Shout out, Wayne. Yeah. So I'm going to go to one of my questions here that I have. So, uh, so I've been listening to a lot of things you've been saying over the past few weeks and was wondering if there's any advice that you can give me, the average listener, uh, on how to get ahead in today's market. You know, like how to make money, like what... In a scary market, how does one, how does one, you know, make money? Okay. Go. So that's a the reason why that's a good question. Okay. Is so you never make money when you sell something. You always have to think like this. Mm -hmm. You always make money, or you only make money when you buy something. Right. And in times of crisis, there is always opportunity, right? I mean, Matt is probably going to be like, there's a Japanese word. Do you know that crisis <laughs> and opportunity is the same word, right, Matt? No, no, I'm not that smart. <laughs> uh, you're pretty smart. Thank Matt you. Matt is very smart. Um, but you make money when you buy things because you take a risk. Mm -hmm. And you buy something when few others are buying it, right? There's a demand-supply relationship to everything that we invest in, purchase, mm -hmm. sell. And I, I do not think that we have reached the point where it is a time to enter the real estate market right now. Mm -hmm. like I think it's like, but I can, I can tell you that if you were sold 100% on buying something one year ago, right, and 
whatever that asset was, you should be considering it now. Right. Yeah. Same, right? Same. Um, if you hold a stock and you have a lot of conviction in that stock, you should be buying a little bit of it right now. A firm? I mean, like you're in. Your <laughs> No, but we you know we we can use an example that everybody knows. Disney, Disney about two oh, years yeah, ago Disney was great. Disney great about week. two years ago was uh, about ninety bucks. It went about uh, to two hundred. Now it's back down to about a hundred. And if you believed in it, anytime throughout that point, it's got a discount right but now. They did have a really good week, I think. Yeah, they did. Yeah. You know why? Why? I think they added fourteen million subscribers. Wow, that's crazy. I think that I read I read that somewhere. I was like, how do you make money in this market? Get ready to deploy capital. How about this? Like some of the largest asset managers in the world, I think actually the largest asset manager in the world, uh, BlackRock, is just raised a $50 billion opportunity fund to invest in residential real estate. Right. Interesting. So they're obviously preparing for something. They know a lot about the marketplace. They just did a big investment in crypto through Coinbase. Matt, you should be so happy to hear about that. I am. But like big asset manager, big investor taking stabs now, right? Mm -hmm. Not buying things at the top of the market. So if you've waited this long to start deploying capital, you got to start considering deploying capital, right? How do you make money in a market like this? You are patient. You have been patient so far, which is a critical piece of making money. Mm -hmm. And now it is time to seek out opportunities right? and to prepare to deploy your capital and to do so with conviction. Right. Like, I mean, I don't know. I reread like these stoics, like old quotes of philosophers, even the kind of habits of successful people right now. There's, there's kind of two, I don't want to say conflicting, I'd prefer to almost say complementary characteristics. One is intuition and the other one is fortitude. So like you have to be intuitive so as to react to changes in the market and to understand, you know, when your gut is telling you that something that you're chasing might not be correct. Right. But you also need the fortitude to trust that your instincts initially were correct. Yes. And those two things, if you have a lot of kind of anxiety and uncertainty, those two things can counterbalance and throw you off. Right. You can think, you know, geez, it's my intuition or my instincts that are telling me that I should no longer buy the triplex that I was looking at down my street when the market was at its peak and it was $2 million, even though it's 1.5 right now. Right. Like, don't get too excited. What do you mean, don't get too excited? <laughs> Why don't you just pull that back and then <laughs> just continue on with what you're saying? No, like, listen, excitement is okay. Right. We don't have to play it back. Excitement is okay. What isn't okay is if you are riddled with anxiety and self-doubt, it is very difficult to maintain fortitude. And it can be your it, it it can kind of overrun your internal intuitive heuristic kind of 
mechanisms for creating opportunity for yourself mm-hmm. because you can kind of stymie your growth. You can be like, and it's also really easy to justify either doing something or not doing something at the wrong time. And I'll explain to you why I think this. It's super easy to tell yourself when the market is dropping, oh, you know what? This isn't the time because I read the newspaper and the newspaper says no one's buying and the market's getting worse. And likewise, it's easy to tell yourself this is the time to buy because the newspaper and the media and all my friends are saying you have to get into the Toronto real estate market because prices keep rising and they're always going to keep rising. Right. So it's really easy to make the wrong decision because group think surrounding us is guiding us in one direction. It is very difficult to move in the other direction against all of that group think. So the people that are successful that make money in any marketplace are the people that are, for lack of a better analogy, the salmon that are swimming upstream. Right. The problem is a bad analogy because they get tired and then the bears just eat them. But that's why it's a bad analogy. (laughs) But like you should strive to be the salmon that not only has the energy to make it upstream so that you can lay your eggs but also the salmon that does not get swiped by a big bear claw. Yeah, like the salmon that makes it through. Which is actually a pretty good analogy when you think about the bear market. (laughs) So if you're able to get up that stream. Good job. See, I told you you were smart. Yeah, see, if you're able to get up to the top of that stream, lay your eggs, get out. And the truth is, like, there's a a great chart. Uh, Everybody can just Google. Maybe I'll throw it up on the screen right now for everybody. It's called the Wall Street Cheat Sheet. And and it really just shows that these uh, peaks and falls are just based off human emotion in the market. Uh, the belief and disbelief in the, the the fear in the in an open market where people are able to openly sell and buy in an open market. You have to be the opposite of that to be able to capitalize in these things. If the majority of the market is selling when that and when things are at their lowest, that's when you buy and make your money. I had coffee with Bruce Langstaff this morning. Like kind of guy that's managing capital markets for Connect. Mm-hmm. It's a very smart guy. Mm-hmm. He follows a guy named Howard Marks very carefully. Howard Marks, I think is his name. Okay. And he has this, he talks about the market being a pendulum. So, you know, the market is always kind of moving. This pendulum is moving, right? And it's never really like bingo right in the middle. It either swings too far out, like too exuberant and too excited and, and too uh, optimistic or it swings fearful, pessimistic. It's like greed and fear, as Matt's saying. And it is much easier to make money if you are buying something when the pendulum is swinging somewhere in the fear range. Of course, In the pessimistic range. Because wherever you get it, it doesn't have to be like the furthest out point. Wherever you get it, you're gonna make money when the pendulum swings in the other direction, which right. it always does. Right. Well, the way you lose money is by buying when the pendulum is in the opposite direction. Right. Like heavy on the greed index, heavy on the optimism index. And I will say that the public markets are always skewed towards optimism. Mm-hmm. That helps you if you want to buy on the fearful side. 
And then the other way that like I personally manage to lose money in these markets is I always try to short when it's too optimistic. Mm -hmm. And then I am always surprised at how much more optimistic it could get. <laughs> so again, <clears throat> making money in this market, I think takes a combination of kind of this intuition and heuristic analysis like guts, mm -hmm. gut instinct, not guts, but gut instincts. And then guts, fortitude, to see through what your investment thesis is. Right. Right? If you can't properly mix those two things together, mm -hmm. you're screwed. Right, yeah. Because you're either going to be filled with self-doubt and you're going to miss, you're going to be misguided because you're going to be thinking, oh, my idea was wrong. Everyone else is saying so it's stupid. wrong. Yeah. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to wait and then you may be waiting and then the market's going to head exuberant and you're going to be like, oh man, I totally should have done that back then. And I'm going to get in it now. And then you right. get in at the wrong time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, listen, be prepared. There are opportunities right now. And I can tell you, like, th there are people I speak to every day where they were willing to buy something for $2 million and now it's $1.5 and they're like, oh no, market's going to drop a little more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If the... Stock market is a leading indicator for what's happening. Then, you know, it's probably time to buy mm -hmm. because the market had a great run, right? Yeah. But I would caution people to say that there are so many variables affecting what's happening in that market right now. Namely, the market ran up. And we spoke about this a little bit. The market ran up because people expect inflation to be decreasing now. Mm-hmm. Not significantly, mm -hmm. right? But just not increasing as quickly as it was. So um, my, my thought on this right now is that although it may help us in the short to medium term, it could negatively impact us. Um, like if we see asset prices come up a little bit now, mm -hmm. I, I, I still think we haven't really settled on a bottom. Yeah. I, my this, it's still murky. Yeah, yeah. But if you listen, long-term invest, it's very easy for long-term investors. Yeah. Right? Long-term investors, you want a triplex, you know, you're going to hold that for a long time. In the future, it will be worth more than what it is right now. Yeah, yeah. It depends my brother, on when in the future. Yeah, me and my brother had this conversation yesterday and it was like, you know, if you're comfortable holding something for, something for three to five years, then it's the right time to buy. Right? A three to five is a bit of a tight timeline, but sure. I think you might be right, yeah. Six to seven. <laughs> it's just like, listen, the bond market's telling us we're going into a recession. Right. Yes. It, Matt put up the bond thing. I told Matt, <laughs> this is one of the things I wanted to slide in. Okay. There is something called an inverted yield curve. Okay. Uh, this is what we're looking at right now on the screen is nothing actually. No. Now, what we're looking at now on the screen is one year's worth of comparison between the yield on the 10-year government of Canada bond and the yield on the two-year government of Canada bond. This is from the Bank of Canada's website. So you will notice that in July, roughly speaking, maybe, what is that, July, I don't know, second, third, fourth, who cares? The yield on the 10-year government of bond 
fell below the yield on the two-year. That is called an inverted yield curve. Mm -hmm. It means that investors in the bond market are saying, sure, I believe that for the next two years, interest rates are going to be high, but I also think that after that and long-term, interest rates are going to go really low. Right. So if for me, I can't believe, I, like that 10-year, if I can get 3% on 10 years, I'll take it. Mm -hmm. right? I'm willing to shelter my money because I believe after this next two-year stretch of increasing interest rates, we are going to need to re-stimulate our economy with low interest rates because we're going to be in a recession. Right. So for that reason, I am... I'd be concerned to say now's the time to buy something. Right. Right. I don't love seeing that inverted yield curve and telling people to deploy capital mm -hmm. when people are sheltering 10 year money today for 3% and they're demanding less than what they could shelter two year money for. Right. It's kind of like a five year fixed rate. Like, you know, how we tell people, um, Hey, you've got a five year fixed rate. It's at 3.7. And you got two years left on it. But interest rates are so low right now that we used to say this. Don't say this anymore. Yeah, interest yeah. rates are higher. But we, it, it might make sense for you if there's savings associated with breaking your five-year fixed rate and going into a new five-year fixed rate at a lower interest rate, if there is even marginal savings, like $500 worth of savings, it might make sense because you get to lock in that new five-year fixed rate for three additional Extra years. years yeah. You're not going to ride out two more years on your five year and then end up in a market where interest rates are significantly higher. Of course, yeah. You're going to be able to kind of blend down. This is the opposite conversation when you're speaking to an investor in bonds. You're saying, hey, listen, I know you can get three points on your money for two years or whatever it is, like 345. I don't know like the specifics, but let's say 3%. I know you can get 3% on your money for two years, but... In two years, you'll have to reinvest that money. Right. And the mar what the market's telling you is, we don't think the rates are going to be three <clears throat> in two more years. Mm -hmm. So you can also choose to take a 10-year and earn 2.8 for 10 years. Right. Which won't be available in two. So <clears throat> this kind of makes things a little bit scary. There's a few things, right, like that tell you now might not be the time and that we are likely headed for lower asset values the bond market mm -hmm. and some really big institutional like investors like blackrock who are putting together funds now to buy real estate to buy residential real estate like yeah that that's like you know no bueno mm -hmm. can, can we also point out that the last time that these charts went inverse like this was uh, just before the last recession mm, i don't think you should point that out you already pointed it out. Who cares? <laughs> no, that's for sure a good thing to point out, Matt. The last time it's just because you don't have a green shirt on, by the way. Like that is yeah. the only reason, Matt. You need a green shirt. I'll work on that. <laughs> Listen, interest rates are going up. I was like listening to this Wall Street Journal podcast about affordability on houses, affordability in the states. For housing has never been worse than it is right now because 
prices are still kind of sitting at those lofty levels. Interest rates have spiked. Monthly payments are harder to make. It's like getting tough out there. Mm -hmm. Well, listen, in Canada, 75% of our wealth is in real estate. Yeah. And they say 10%. I think it's probably closer to 15 or 20% of our GDP, of our gross domestic productivity, real estate. Right. Probably more. We're, there were months in the last 12 where half of all the growth for our entire country was coming out of residential real estate. Right. There is a heavy reliance of the Canadian economy on real estate. Just because the central bankers have now switched gears to say inflation is the problem, don't worry about a recession, doesn't mean it's going to feel any better when we get into a recession, Well, yeah. I, which I think we are in a recession, regardless of what the market, the stock market in the States is telling us right now, which is really like the stock market of the world. Like, let's face it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. The American stock market. I would say it's time for another testimonial. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Let's take another break and we will be right back. Right. why I am invested with Connect is because I trust their team. They know exactly what they're doing. I tr totally trust their underwriting process and they're very experienced in the industry. With respect to their loan to value and their portfolio overall, that is a lot better than the other mortgage investment corporations out there. So being at 50%, you know that you're comfortable with even if there is a dip in the market, that your money is still safe. I trust their expertise, I trust their knowledge, I trust the fact that they know what's happening with the market on a day-to-day -day basis because it is changing, especially with the post-COVID um, environment. So having that team behind it, you can trust them a lot more. And we're back with another smasher of a testimonial. And when we were gone, there may or may not have been at least two ounces of Jameson poured into the tea that Marcus is drinking. I mean, first of all, I don't think it was two ounces. I think it might have been an ounce. Right. Let's let's be honest. I never pour them heavy. And uh, Marcus always asks for a heavier pour whenever I. <laughs> <laughs> like, whenever when, I pour it, when, like, hey, can I ask you a question? How many times have I had? Anything other than tea in this cup on this show? On the show, no. But uh, I mean, uh, anything else we get, you know. There's been tequila. <laughs> tequila. Uh, and tequila the, listen, in the cup. when we were first starting. Yeah, yeah the yeah, early yeah. days. In the early days. days when yeah. we were like kind of getting our sea legs, yeah, getting yeah. our confidence. Yeah. There was always tequila. Do you and, remember the <laughs> first time we went live on the radio? How scared and they you were? <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, and Justin, uh, what do you think about, uh, I don't know what he asked. And I just went like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was very, yeah. But uh, look where we are right now. Honestly, you have, you, you at the time, you had like very little knowledge and even less confidence. And now look how much confidence you have. <laughs> i had knowledge i just didn't know how to put it into words on a podcast sure yeah yeah um okay i'm just gonna get right into our next instagram question okay you're cool with that yeah hold on take bringing it up here okay next question it seems as though we are in a recession very assumptive question 
now or close to it. But what is next and where do you see us headed in the next year? So I think that like we're so negative about things right now. Right. That the next stop is probably better. Right. But I don't think the train's stopping there for very long. But is it actually better or is it just going to be perceived better? Yesterday I was at a concert and they put this thing up on the billboard that said, it said just because you're wearing a mask doesn't change who you are on the inside. So like, is it actually going to be better or is it just going to be like a little more cushier and like people are used to it by then? Okay, so let's, let's quantify better. Better means the psychological barometer of the economy that is the stock market yeah. will be higher. Right, okay. Better means that, uh, that consumers will feel a little bit richer. Right. Better means that the rise in bankruptcies that we're seeing will pause. Mm -hmm. Better means that real estate sales will increase. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's better. That is better. That's better. Yeah. So I just, I think that we're going to go to better, but we're not going there for long. Right. And then we're going to go to worse. Right. 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 So like the problem, like that, if you look at, what the central bankers are telling you. Like if you really read what they are writing and if you listen to what they are saying carefully, they are telling you, first and foremost, inflation is the priority. Recession is secondary. Right. They're also telling you that it is becoming less and less probable that we will be able to accomplish the goal of reducing inflation while still avoiding a recession. Right. And then finally, they're telling you that the biggest fear is that they take the brakes off of the economy too soon and inflation comes back. Right. So I, I believe that this most recent showing from the United States that inflation is abating mm-hmm. served to stimulate the market because it and the Federal Reserve said in their meeting that they, they, it was like, I mean, I don't remember exactly the wording and it's important to know the exact wording, but it was mm-hmm. something to the effect of, we see it unlikely that another large scale rate hike will be required. Right. Bank of Canada, everyone was pricing in 50 basis points for the next rate hike. Now people are starting to say 25 basis points. That's good news. We got to see Canadian inflation numbers first. Right. Um, my brother-in-law, who works at uh, Bank of Montreal, was saying that they most recently have added in used cars into the bundle of goods for CPI, right? which is quite interesting because used cars will be something that will decrease in price right, 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 right. Uh, on a month-over-month or year-over-year basis. So it will have an effect of reducing perceived inflation by reducing the CPI numbers. So I think we're going to see some gamesmanship, too, in these inflation numbers to let the consumer know that, hey, maybe inflation isn't running so hot. They're yeah. going to do everything they can to kind of tamp down those inflationary Yeah, numbers. yeah, yeah. That's but what I'm saying about the mask. Fuel costs have decreased. Well, how does that run parallel to the mask? Because they're, it might not be what you think it is? Exactly. Uh, okay, yeah. 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 You yeah. don't like my analogies today. No, I mean, not just today, but uh, like... <laughs> you just can't buy bacon from the cow, cow store. store. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody referenced that to me the other day. Really? Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Yes. Yes. I love that. Mm. 
So I love your questions today. Like they're great. Yeah. yeah like they're all really. I mean, they're not my questions. They're, they're user. They're, they're, they're users. They're, questions. Yeah. 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 Um, I just picked. So it. I think, I think it's going to look rosier soon. Right. The same way I was saying, like people should not run out and travel. Stop going to the restaurant. Save your money right now. There's going to be another, yet another opportunity to think we're richer than we are. Right. Oh, that's a Scotia Bay line, yeah. But there's going to be another opportunity to fall into that trap. Yeah. Hold firm. When we should be like ING and save your money. Right. ING, which was like the non-bank. <laughs> Yeah. Turned they, into tangerine, tangerine. And then got bought by a bank. Yeah. Like, what a joke. <laughs> Welcome to Canada. Uh, what a man. joke. You know, if you are a Canadian consumer and you're in financial services, again, it doesn't have to be connect. But like you're getting screwed mm-hmm. everywhere you are. So speak to somebody. Speak to a good mortgage broker. Speak to a good investment advisor. And speak to one that's not affiliated with one of these banks. Mm-hmm. Please. Yeah. Please. Hey, I have a question. Why don't yeah. we switch it up? I got a question. Yeah. Because I see it. I listen to the Monday morning meetings that you have with the staff. Mm-hmm. Are you finding that you're getting deals now mm. from other brokers mm-hmm. or from customers who are starting to feel like maybe their other brokers can't help them. 100%. Yeah. So what's going on? Tell me what's going on. Okay. So with so many changes in the market being like, you know, rate hikes, like property values, like all of these things uh, are creating issues for approvals with people who, who are working with their banks or other brokers, stuff like that. Right. So, so, you know, the problem is that, we're seeing such a such an increase on even brokers, right, coming to us and saying, you know, I can't get this deal done for my client. Is there something that you can do to help, right? Like we have a good, we have a good uh, um, uh, uh, reputation. You know what I mean? Like we help people. That's what we do, right? So, so you know, brokers, clients, all that coming to us. A lot of the problems we're seeing are with appraisals, um, and and the fact that. You know, interest rates are are going up, and people were previously approved for an amount that they're not approved for anymore. Right? Those are those are the big two problems that we're seeing. I just yeah, like I remember when I was doing a lot of mortgages mm-hmm. that I I didn't like. It's not like I was like like running around socializing with mortgage brokers. Mm-hmm. I had like some buddies who yeah, were mortgage yeah. brokers. I still do some good friends, but I found that. I would get calls from other mortgage brokers because I taught the course, I guess. So they would call yeah. to ask questions. And I don't know why, but it has certainly carried over because I see when the in- deals are coming in that we're helping other mortgage brokers, which mm-hmm. I think is amazing. Mm-hmm. What I don't like is when we're trying to rescue a file for a customer who went to another mortgage broker or went to a bank, which is far more common. And they told them that they could do something. They said that they could accomplish something and they were unable to accomplish it. Yeah. The key to any business is kind of the under promise over deliver. Mm -hmm. Just promising and delivering is cool. Yeah. The problem is, is if you like set the expectations too high and the market's moving against you, it's a real recipe for disaster and it's really bad for the borrowers. Yeah. 
So I love what I'm seeing in in the deal flow right now. I love what I'm seeing, what the team is doing, mm-hmm. because not only are we like in a time like this, it's like it's a shitty time for borrowers. Right. It is a shitty time for a lot of lenders. Mm-hmm. It is a really good time to showcase talented brokers right talented staff yeah yeah yeah. because anybody can get you the lowest five-year fixed rate when your property value is skyrocketing higher every year 10 percent year over year interest rates are dropping all the time anybody can be the order taker that gets you that rate Mm -hmm. and listen connect will always get you the best rate Mm -hmm. there's no there's nothing hidden in the way connect operates the Mm -hmm. lowest rate that we have available is the lowest rate we give our borrowers and nobody makes a dollar on charging a higher or lower interest rate Mm -hmm. But in a time where things like you got to negotiate with the appraisers now, you got to push, you got to lean on appraisers a little bit right now and fight for value. You got to look for comps. Hey, we're doing a townhouse in Liberty Village and we need the value of that townhouse to be 1.5 million in order for our borrower to refinance at 75% loan to value, get a good interest rate, avoid an inflated premium of any kind and pay off his unsecured debt. Mm -hmm. If that value comes in lower, if it comes in at 1.3, that borrower will not have the money they need. It will leave them in a weaker financial position. Mm-hmm. So you flip it to an appraiser that you know, that you've done a bunch of business with, that you've got other deals for, and you look for some comparables of other townhomes, and you send them to them, and you let them know, I need 1.5 on this. Yeah. yeah, yeah you yeah. get it. Mm-hmm. There is nobody at a bank that's doing that. No, definitely not. There's a, And hope there are brokers that do that. Mm-hmm. But the beauty of how we structured this business is that, there's three people working on everybody's file, mm-hmm. right? And there's three people fighting for one file, for one person. Mm-hmm. And together, all three of those people are involved. Mm-hmm. And they're invested with that borrower. Band of brothers. Yeah. It's, or it's, sisters. Yeah, it's great. It's yeah, honestly. Yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to say that like, I normally don't come to all the Monday morning meetings. Mm-hmm. I have really, in- I'm going to come tomorrow morning. And then I'm going to leave. We have a special guest tomorrow. Oh, Sindhu's here. Yeah, yeah Sindhu's yeah. here. Uh, and then I'm going to leave. I'm going to go to Greece after that. Yeah. We started the episode. This is Justin's episode of What Really Grinds My Gears. We started the episode about the banks, like, like you know, spreading your money on the philosophical bed and making snow angels in it. You know what I mean? Okay, I like that okay? one. And now we're talking about people, real people who have real issues or buying a real property one of the biggest decisions that they can make in their lives. And they're going to banks, like you had just said, and the banks are under-promising, over-promising, and under-delivering, right? And, and, and this is like, you know, buying a house, refinancing, paying off debt, getting yourself on the right track. These aren't small decisions for our borrowers, right? And, and, and the people who are, um, you know, it's written into the Bank Act that, are, that have, need to have no history or uh, knowledge in mortgage brokering are able to kind of take these files and maybe not, you know, love them the way that they should be. And then they have to come to us. Right. But that's upsetting as well. You so clumsily said that, but what you said was pretty funny is like the national housing act, the national housing Act states that people who work at banks are exempt from having any education or training Mm -hmm. in mortgages. Mm Mm-hmm. So when you go to your bank and your banker says, don't worry about it, Matt, you're approved. 
I'm going to make sure you get your hands on that townhouse in King Street West. Number one, you're speaking to somebody who is an employee of the bank and only interested in how much profit that bank will make. Number two, you're speaking to somebody who could know far less than you about mortgages. Yeah. Far, far, far less. As mandated and stated in legislation, in an act. Mm -hmm. Who thought that it was a good idea to make an act, to make a law that, you know what, if you work at a bank, it's okay. You don't need to know anything about mortgages. You just go and sell them. This is ridiculous. Yeah, it grinds my gears. Yeah, that totally should grind your gears. Yes, yeah. What, what, what you're going to need to do, though, is you're going to need to wake up and put your big boy pants on. <laughs> Seriously, man. Like, the bank is not your friend. Yeah, no, no. The bank is the friend to its shareholders. Yeah. So if you want to stop being annoyed by the banks, go buy some of their stock. Right. And understand that the only people that they are concerned about are their shareholders, not their borrowers, not their lenders, not their people that are giving them money for deposits. Mm -hmm. And if you're upset that the National Housing Act states that the people that work at banks don't need to know anything about mortgages in order to sell them, mm -hmm. you should just think like a shareholder. Well, that's probably pretty good because then we don't have to pay these people in order for them to work and learn. Yeah. And we don't have to lose them. We can just get a bunch of people that don't know anything in there. Mm. And we can get the banker, the top guy who understands how much money and how we're going to make all this profit to just feed out the most profitable products to people. Mm -hmm. Without any liability, without any concern, great. And then, oh, wow, look, the market is telling consumers that everything's more expensive. Why don't we add in another half basis, half a percentage point in profit into our net interest margins? To make our shareholders happy. Mm -hmm. It is a give and take relationship where you need to give as much as possible and they need to take as much as possible until the moment you decide that you're pissed off and you don't want to give anymore. And then they're going to give you just a little, 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 little tiny bit back. This is the way it works. Yeah. You are in an abusive relationship with your bank. Yeah. You are in an abusive relationship with your bank. And you need to break that relationship. And you need to make your bank come back crawling on its knees to you, telling you how much it loves you and offering you, instead of chocolates, they're going to offer you lower interest rates. But you need to break it off because you are being abused. You are being told no far too often. And you will find that you are worthy. And if you pick up the phone and you call someone who knows what they're doing, they are going to love you much better than your bank is loving you. Those connect, are. connect will love you better than your bank. Oh yeah, we love, we love hard. Is that weird? When you stare at me like that, it's a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right, listen, I think that's the show. That's it. Yeah, that's it. We grind. We we got our. We got our. Uh, we aired our grievances. You grinded your gears. I grinded my gears, and now we're gonna continue on with our Sunday. I'm gonna have tacos for dinner. What are you gonna have? I'm going to my mom and dad's. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I don't know. My mom is. I think my mom is making um, veal cutlets. Mm. So like, my mom is an amazing cook, right? Okay. And um, we didn't have a lot of money when we were growing up. Mm -hmm. Okay. And my mom would. We loved veal cutlets. 
it's like tenderized thin little pieces of veal my mom fries them breaded you know like the whole deal like i think you take them you put them in egg or flour, flour, egg, and then breadcrumbs. Okay. I don't think you need to explain a deep fried anything to Justin. <laughs> that's fair, that's fair. Go on. Anyways, when we were little, my mom would make these veal cutlets. And then one day, I was like, I was like, oh, mommy, I'll help you make the veal cutlets. I just like to help her make it so that like I could stand next to the frying pan and like eat a couple while yeah. they were coming off. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And I keep my mom company. Hey, you know what I mean? Anyways, one day I saw her take the veal cutlets out of the fridge, and they were pork cutlets. Mm. I was like, man, what's going on here? I thought these were veal cutlets. Oh, usually they're veal cutlets. Just not today. Not today. I was like, huh. So I started paying attention. Always pork cutlets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now I called my mom. What are we having for dinner tonight? My mom was like, we're having veal cutlets. In the back of my head, I was like, oh, it's not pork cutlets. (laughs) (laughs) I love you, mommy. 